Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's a different concepts from different teams that have inspired this Mercedes. And hopefully it's a case of bringing the best of all of the worlds together rather than too many cooks spoil the broth. After months of anticipation, Mercedes bore their upgraded W14 to what proved to be an exhilarating weekend in Monaco, even if large parts of the race were underwhelming. But how well did the W14B work? Is it too soon to tell? Did Mercedes maximise their potential this weekend? And where would the focus be ahead of Barcelona? Join me, Valve Baines, on this episode of the Silver Arrows podcast as we discuss all the main talking points from the Monte Carlo Grand Prix. To help us dissect all the main talking points from Monaco, we have F1 journalist Adam Williams. Hello, Adam. Hello, how are we doing? Yeah, we're good, we're good. Uh, we're excited for, for Barcelona coming up, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast, but also the main talking point of Monaco, which we'll get into the crux of things a little bit later on. And equally excitingly, we have our in-house F1 fanatic and lead engineer in the F1 space, Tom Fletcher. Tom, as always, good to have you back. Yeah, thank you. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one again. It's uh, Monaco. I've always been uh, a hater of it and I always feel guilty now because it did deliver this time. <laughs> it definitely did deliver. So before we get into the racing, perhaps the biggest talking point this weekend was the revealing of Mercedes' long-awaited B-spec car with this new floor, front suspension and, of course, those all-important side pods. To kick things off, Adam, let's chat a little bit about the car as a whole and the thinking of the upgrades. I think the words used by Martin Brundle was... Frankenstein in the way that it was it was described and I think that is a good way of describing it because it's a lot of different philosophies and I'm sure Tom will talk in in more detail on this given that he's he's the engineer here but it seems like there's a lot of different concepts from different teams that have inspired this Mercedes and and hopefully it's a case of bringing the best of, of all of the worlds together rather than too many cooks spoil the broth. Uh, but 
it's clear that the side pods are well they're there not just a little bit bigger um and it, it seems that well, but we know that we they've done something with the floor everyone can see what the floor looks like as we'll discuss later uh but i think it should be a good starting point from which the team can develop um and it should be also considered that they're restrained that they're, they're trying to develop the car in a completely different direction while under a cost cap. So it's not easy to do a full revamp. The The chassis is still the same. So we've, we've heard Lewis speaking about the driving position being too far forward. Um, that can't be changed until next year. However, the signs, even though it's Monaco, so we don't know for sure, the signs are promising. The signs are definitely promising. Tom, uh, let's bring in, you, bring in you, our resident engineer. From a, an engineering perspective, what do you think of this W14 B-spec? Uh, to be honest with you, I think uh, Fr Frankenstein is a bit harsh. I think what they've done is is quite a good job, to be honest, with considering the, the cost cap, really. Um, it, it almost looks like a, a tiered cake. I mean, they've they've kept... High up, they've kept their their barrels, their cooling barrels, the, the low energy air from caused by the halo, um, out of the way of the beam wing and and sort of more central to the car. So they're keeping the, the best bits that they they found in in their old concepts and and hopefully improving on the the bits that, that weren't so good. So yeah, we've seen the the side pods come in. Um, they're they're looking more like. Uh, a Red Bull side pod with the way that they they tip down to the rear beam wing um, with a little bit of Ferrari in there as well. You can see um, a nice scallop shape all, all there to to try and energize the the back of the diffuser and then the beam wing as well. The the main thing that I'm really impressed with is their their suspension and what they've done with the front suspension. Like we we're saying with the cost cap, it's it's really important that you're changing the most of the bits that are going to give you the most time effectively. So one of the things here is that they've come up with a really um, cost-effective way of raising the the, the front leading uh, leading leg of the wishbone. Um, and they've done this by, if if you look at the front of the car, there's what what is an aluminium bulkhead that sits in front of the pedal box that typically houses the, um, the pickup points for the suspension. Um, and what they've done is just literally taken that out, put a new one in that raises up, up the, the top wishbone to give it the, the tipped back um, and anti-dive geometry. Um, this, this is really effective because what, what's, what, what it's allowed is the rest of the, the suspension is pretty much in the same place. So you're not having to, to change the, where they're, they're hard mounted into the chassis, which is really, really, really great. Um, another thing is that as well as that, they've incorporated some some aero benefit as well from that by the looks of things. So they've um, remodeled or resculpted the shape of, of those those wishbones to to effectively get some downwash down into the undercut of the side pod and and down the side of the floor. Um, and all of that together is has been a really uh, effective and cost effective, which is important uh, upgrade. So, do you mind just explaining, Tom, how that? impacts the, the way that the drivers are, are feeling the car specifically the suspension i think that 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 might be interesting for the listeners to hear yeah so um anti-dive is so effectively what, what's happening is when when you're applying the brake pedal you're creating a torque around the upright um of, of the the wheel 
and that has to be transferred into the body of the car. Um, so what they're doing here is is by tipping back the wishbone, your the, the force applied from the braking is going through the plane of the wishbone, so you don't actually move the wishbone. Therefore, the, the car's not tipping forward on the brake pedal, even though you're generating the same braking force. Now, this is this is an interesting interesting question because I don't naturally know when they when they're saying they 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 don't like the feeling of anti-dive. I don't actually know what that is. Most of the braking feeling is done through the belts, the belt in your seat belts, and feeling the um, internal G. Um, and and what you're what you're doing with modulating the brake pedal and how that's feeling inside, it's it's a really odd feeling. I can't I can't really explain it. But maybe maybe it's something to do with the steering. I don't know if, if you can feel maybe when when that point of of maximum de- deceleration is happening through the steering. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good question. So it essentially keeps the car more stable and and the aerodynamics of the car remain stable under braking, allowing to take on on high speed corners better yeah yeah absolutely so it's all to do with ent- entry into the corner so if you're if you're applying the brake pedal well what that's going to do if you don't have anti-dive is cause the front of the car to dip down which changes the the, the right height of the floor which completely messes up what what you're expecting the the right height to be effectively so by having anti-dive what it means is you can um, you can run the car a little bit softer, uh, so then you can you can actually gain some more mechanical grip in the slow speed. So that, that's where the real advantage comes. Interesting. We saw the underfloor of both the Red Bull and the Mercedes car, and one of them looked a lot more intricate than the other. So, Adam, can we assume that that's because the current Mercedes floor is very much just a new baseline rather than a, a well-developed concept in terms of the both underfloor of the W14 and the RB19? I think we can assume that. Uh, I mean, Toto Wolf was furious when they they raised the car on that that crane. Cirque du Soleil, like said, the sixth it? floor. Oh, it, it was incredible, <laughs> and and I think he he would have been concerned about that as will the whole the engineering department of Mercedes until Sergio Perez crashed his Red Bull, and then I, I think if if anyone's going to be concerned it's Red Bull because they've they've just had the whole of their car revealed to the world and yes it's much more developed than the Mercedes so yeah that's that's what happens when you start developing down a certain concept a year and a half earlier we can only imagine however Mercedes and the rest of the field can now can now look at that Red Bull and think right okay that's what Newey's up to uh could it perhaps work on our car? Because not everything that's on that Red Bull will work on on a Mercedes necessarily. So, yeah, Red Bull won't be particularly pleased, nor will Mercedes, but I think that's going to happen at any point. The Ferrari car was up in the air at one point during the weekend when I think it was Science crashed during practice, didn't he? So, yeah. They'll, they'll all get revealed at some point or another. Yeah, no, lots of uh, flying F1 cars around Monaco this weekend. Uh, but Tom, what do you think the differences are between the Red Bull and, and the Mercedes car? Uh, in terms of the floor? In terms of the floor, yeah. Yeah, Red Bull, obviously, um, they've. we have to look at this in a, a development side of things. So they've, they've had a year and a bit of developing their concept um, and they've, They've been chipping away at it. Uh, it's important to note that, that Mercedes, this is a this is a brand new concept, so you don't you don't want to come into it with hundreds of intricate parts that you don't know 
quite what they're doing or, or how they're going to improve the performance. So by, by keeping it basic and understanding the basic principles of how your new floor is going to work is, is far more important and is therefore then a baseline in which you're going to start to, to chip away and find those extra little bits of performance from. So I don't think, I don't think it's, it's that, that much of a problem that, that we're seeing quite simple floor from Mercedes at the moment. And I think it's something that is going to, it's going to become uh, more intricate as they, they, try and find those those final tents. Just one final question on the technical side, uh, Tom. So Keb Elo from Twitter asks, could you please run us through the legality of the CIS wing with the horizontal side pod inlet? I thought you could only run that CIS wing with a vertical inlet as before. Yes, that's, that's a good question and one that I'm not too sure on, to be honest. I think uh, from what I understood is that this their SIPs has now um, been homologated. So it's something that they, they can't now change, I believe. So what we're seeing is a uh, a compromise um, between, because because they can't effectively, they can't design their side pod around um, this, this bar that's sticking out. So you end up with this sort of weird uh, wing that's placed on, on top of the side pod that is probably... It'd be better if it wasn't actually there, to be honest, but who knows. So let's jump into the racing action a little more and look into qualifying. It was P5 for Lewis after Charles Leclerc's penalty for impeding Lando Norris and P7 for George Russell. So let's start with Hamilton. It sounds like his qualifying was compromised slightly by a last-minute setup decision that he'd been battling all weekend, Adam. And in the end, he did pretty well to get it both out of Q1 and Q2. What a qualifying what a qualifying it was. Oh, I I had kind of accepted mentally that Lewis was out of Q1. You know when you have to prepare yourself mentally for a bad Sunday around Monaco. Uh, I was surprised that he got through. Um, and it was the same case in Q2. And it was so surprising that he was, he was struggling after he'd done so well in practice one and two. Anyway, and, and of course... P3, he was fastest in the first sector before he had that weird accident where he got stuck in the wall. Uh, but but yeah, he did really well to get it back uh, for P6 or P5 after the Leclerc penalty. Um, and I think both he and George were overdriving. That's what they said afterwards uh, as they tried to hustle that Mercedes around the streets of Monaco. And the thing about having a good car around Monaco is you want an easy car to drive and that's why the Aston Martin in Fernando Alonso's hands at least was doing so well. Tom Lewis seems to be complaining probably that's probably not the right word but he seems to compromise a little bit with the setup that he had in quali. In the first part of quali yes I think what what we were seeing here is a classic Lewis Hamilton um really putting uh, all the mechanical balance all far all as far forward as he could get it um and and effectively using the throttle to to steer the car so this is something i think he was he was battling with uh with his engineers uh, over about specifically getting the tire warm up sorted as i think i explained last in the last episode that his driving style of of Breaking later and harder, and then turning in and getting the nose into the apex, and and letting letting the rear 
do the steering effectively. He was warned not to go down that road specifically because of this tire warm up issue. Um, which nearly caught him out, actually, in, in, in Q1 and Q2. And then I have no idea how he pulled it together in Q3. Um, I had a look at the data, and um, it's unbelievable what he managed to do on the brakes and getting the nose into the apex. And I think, actually, this is something that brings us back to to, uh, to free practice and maybe where George was struggling is because because of the, some of the, the downsides of these upgrades. Um means that Lewis had gone on on the hunt for this this holy grail of turning and yeah it's caused George to fall fall behind a little bit I think you mentioned George there Tom so let's uh, that's a natural uh, segue Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. We have another question from Twitter that asks why George seemed to be struggling more with the upgrade. So, Tom, that was the theme throughout the weekend, which obviously manifested itself into qualifying at two. Yes, yeah, so like I was saying, it's, it's Lewis has is, is opted to, to put the mechanical balance far forward. So, so he basically, he was getting really, really good, good turn in. So if you look at sector two, he was absolutely rapid. So uh, you're looking at Mirabeau and, and the, the Lowe's hairpin. It was really, really drifting the car around there, using the throttle to steer with. And maybe George is, is taking a bit too much understeer in there. He's really struggling um, in relation to Lewis. But it's, 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 it's more of Lewis's driving style aiding him to, to get around some of the problems that, that, that there are with this new package. So I'll try and explain that a bit better. So one of the negatives with having anti-dive is that it raises up the roll center at the front. And what this means is that, um, through a long story, obviously, but to, to, to cut it short, is that you end up with a reduction in, in uh, weight transfer over the front axle. That's something that Lewis was trying to dial out, and you could you could see it progressing throughout the weekend. And unfortunately, it, it ended up with him going into the barrier um, in free practice um, with a really, really positive front end. He, he's turning in. Um, getting getting the front in and then then letting the rear steer, but on that occasion it caught him out and obviously had to turn into it, which then spat him into the barrier. So yeah, I think I think it was more to do with Lewis and overcoming some of these problems than than um, George struggling. One question I would have on that 
is if Lewis had this driving style which didn't necessarily heat up the tyres as quickly as George's setup, why was it that George uh, was was doing a warm-up lap seemingly in Q2 or Q3, I think it was, whereas Lewis was just going straight into the lap after the outlap? Um, did you see anything on the data that kind of explained that? It's it's all to do with how how quickly you do your preparation lap. So um, what 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 George would be doing is is bringing the tyres in a bit slower, um, whereas Lewis feeling the need to, to to get on it hard and and try and and try and get them up to temperature during the lap. Basically, you've got two problems. You've got the the tyres being too cold. And then your extra lap taking away some of the peak grip. So what you need to do is try and match those two together to get the optimum of both scenarios. And of course, around Monaco, you want to get that lap in as quick as you can, just as a banker, because a red flag or a yellow flag can hit at any time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's also important. You need you need that lap in the bag. Tom, would it be a personal preference for each driver on, on depending on how quickly they get that lap in? Uh, it will be something that they've discussed with their engineers um, and and they, they practice. It's, it's really a, a choreographed thing that they, they, they'll do and, and, and pre-plan before. Uh, for the even the day of the qualifying so it can be personal preference but yeah it's i think it's it's a joint effort between the engineering and driving do we think that the new upgrades are more favoring lewis than they are george it's probably too early to tell but lewis made the most amount of noise in terms of going in this direction and and talking about the fact that mercedes didn't listen to him initially so do we think that they've kind of gone in his direction more so? It's a good question. We're, I think we'll have to wait and see, um, mainly because, as I tried to touch on earlier, this this shift to the anti-dive is going to prove to be a bit of a problem for Lewis, I think, uh, particularly in the slow speed. So what it is is is, is causing understeer in, in the mechanical balance. So it's as the arrow comes off, which is exactly where Lewis wants that front-end grip to be. So, right. by, yeah, like I said, he, he breaks hard and gets the nose in. Um, and that's what he's, he's looking in the car for it to do. And I think that's going to be even more difficult with this new, uh, new anti-dive. Interesting. So let's move on to the race then, Adam. So the team seemed to maximise the package on Saturday. We moved on to Sunday, where overall Mercedes, again, did a good job at maximising their potential. But do you think, Adam... Mercedes put Lewis on the wrong strategy when they started him on the mediums. Everybody else around him went on the hards. I think, first of all, Mercedes will be pleased with what happened on Sunday. They they did a good job all round. Uh, George was a little bit caught out by by that little slide in the in the rain. That could have been some extra points, but they will be overall pleased. They had a clean race. Uh, the package seems fairly positive so far. In terms of the strategy, in hindsight, yes, you could argue that it was wrong, but I don't think that they would have done anything different. Look, Verstappen was on the mediums as well, and and the thing about Monaco is the pit stop is the most important part of the race, unless it rains, in which case it changes when the pit stop is. Because no one tends to overtake that much at the start, unless there's a big accident, and people make up places in, in, in the pit lane. Anyway, if there is an accident in Monaco, I don't know, 20 laps in, 
15 laps in, I don't know, but fairly early on, then you're in a, a much bigger advantage if you start on the medium tyres because you're able to put the hard tyres on and then you can go to the end of the race no problem. So you're you're much more able to put the pressure on other drivers to force them into a mistake. I mean, we've seen in the past Hamilton starting on, on the harder tyres and going on to the medium tyres uh, in 2019 when Max Verstappen did the alternative strategy and he was putting him right under pressure until the last few laps. So we know that that, that can leave you vulnerable in other ways. But like, like, like we said, in hindsight, it could have been uh, that the Mercedes had a better strategy with Hamilton like they did with George starting in hard. Uh, but I think they did the reasonable thing there. Uh, they maybe could have seen the rain coming, but I'm not sure anyone predicted the rain to be as hard as it was. So... Yeah, I I think they'll be happy with what they did over the weekend. Yeah, overall, please, says Adam. Tom, what do you think Mercedes will be feeling in terms of strategy leaving Monaco? Yeah, I totally agree with Adam, actually. I think um, in hindsight, it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's it's a case of if if there had been an early safety car, they would have looked, looked like geniuses, really. Um, I think also putting the mediums on gave Lewis a good stab at... at uh, Carlos, but um, unfortunately, and he nearly did it. Yeah, he? it was close, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, just wasn't aggressive enough. But you don't want to be over aggressive either. Yeah, as Carlos found out later on. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, in, in in hindsight, maybe not the right tire to, to be on at the start. Uh, that the hard was was the the quicker strategy. Um, but then, having said that, actually, I think the the main mistake was later on in the race, about the lap thirty one. I think it was. Um, there was there was a nice gap opening up to Sonoda, um, and and at that time Lewis, because of this oversteer that he's having, had had grained up his rear tyres, which then Mercedes had seen as a nice gap to put him back into. So that's that's where I think the main mistake was, and we saw with Verstappen, he he was able to stay out longer on the mediums, and actually push through the graining stage. So I actually don't think it was the fact of him starting on the mediums; it was it was them boxing too early. They could have been vulnerable then to an undercut, but. It's all in hindsight. I think it's it's a very very good job this weekend to to bring to bring a brand new car that's never been on a circuit and then deliver like that at Monaco is is really really something special to be honest. And the the other thing is that Hamilton, for the past three races around Monaco, I think he'd always finish where he'd started, and I I know that Sainz and Ferrari messed up their strategy and and he was a bit scruffy, but that's a positive at least he's he's moved forward during the race which is not easy around monaco and yeah it's good points and plus an extra point for the fastest lap of the race adam you talked about the rain in monaco how do you think that affected mercedes race i i mean it could have got them a podium best case scenario uh but it also meant that they didn't get a podium because george slid off in the rain as well so uh all in all, it, it allowed George to to get up uh, and overtake the, the Ferraris. Uh, so I think I think that it helped them out in in a good way. Um, I think Ocon had Hamilton covered in the end. They they seemed to to have the pace on on, on Mercedes, or at least similar pace. So I, I don't think Hamilton could have got any better than that unless 
Ocon had had a bad pit stop or something, or, or he'd have got lucky in any other way. Um, but yeah, I I just think that rain in Monaco is what we need, and and it's exactly what we got. But the other thing is, it was enough rain to cause a little bit of chaos as well, because it, it could have been just a light spitting where where drivers were able to go a little bit slow around that sector um, and, and stay on dry tyres, which is what Aston Martin thought they could get away with. However, it was more than even the local fishermen were thinking, from what I understand, because they, they were they were telling the, the people on Sky that it was only meant to be a, a bit of drizzle at, at two o'clock. How wrong they were. Even, uh, even fishermen get it wrong, uh, don't they, Adam? But uh, George is very <laughs> frustrated with himself for switching off, quote-unquote, and lose control of the car, which effectively in third place when pit stops were taken into account. So, Tom, that's probably the one area where more points could have been extracted. Yeah, I think it, he's being a bit harsh on himself, to be honest. I think that that corner, Mirabeau, is, is already a tricky downhill braking zone in the dry. Um, and let's that's, that's not forget, this is a, at that time in the race, it was a heavily rubbered-in circuit um, with a nice layer of water over that rubber. And if anyone's done any karting, you'd know that you go anywhere near that line. It is like ice. You, you have no grip at all. Um, and, yeah, he's just maybe just got caught out by the yellow on the, on the left. You can see it on, on, on the shot. Um, but causing him to, to, to grab a wheel and just send it straight on. Uh, down the escape road yeah so i think i think it's it's a bit harsh he's being a bit harsh on himself there um the more the most important thing is kept it out the wall but yeah i think i think this is this is a big big positive for for mercedes i think they they always manage to to rationalize a chaotic race and they've managed to put the, the intermediates on both both cars at the right time a beautiful double double stack pit stop Lewis lost no time at all. And yeah, it was a really solid result. And one, one interesting thing at Monaco is because of the layout of the, um, the pit lane, there's not enough space to sit on the pit wall. So the engineers sit in what is effectively an office above all of the garages. Um, and in there, you have a disconnect between what the weather is doing outside and, um, and what your, your monitors are telling you. Uh, by by which I think they were actually telling them that the, the, the rain was going to stop imminently. Um, but somehow Mercedes managed to actually say, well, actually, no, I think it's, it's going to actually continue raining and we should put the inters on. And yeah, a classic example of what Ross Braun would say, uh, be on the right tyres at the right time. And it, it's a lesson to all those guys who put the slicks on it. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Absolutely. And, and, and one thing, George was pretty lucky not to, to go out of the race after he and Perez had that clattering together uh, when he came out. And But he's... That was the other good thing. Mercedes had the pace over Ferrari, so even though George had the five-second penalty, argue whether it's harsh or not harsh between yourselves, uh, it, it meant that he, he was able to keep the place and keep the points. So, yeah, I, I think in that respect, George was lucky, even though he was unlucky, even though he was lucky to have the rain fall and to be able to do one stop. Luck comes into this, but... <laughs> It's how you deal with it, I suppose. Uh, Adam just spoke about those upgrades. Both drivers on on paper seem to be happy with, with the upgrades of the W14. Uh, I really don't think we can read too much into the performance other than maybe yeah, it was positive. Um, both both drivers saying, yeah, they're, they're happy with, with the progress they've made, but they, they will do if, if they're up against or close to the, the front runners and they can have a, a little bit of a squabble. Um, it's it's just something that they'll if if they if they knew that the gap was much larger they then start complaining and say that the car's terrible again and we need to we need to look at it it's you know it's not it's not completely it's not not the complete truth shall we say um, but yeah I think I think it is definitely a step forward um, and and the car does look to be more stable um, but we again we can't take a read on it until maybe Barcelona so. Um, I, I can't really say much more than that, to be honest. I'm excited for Barcelona because that's when we'll find out what sort of times this, this car is able to setting at a baseline. It's all going to get better from there. Uh, and yeah, generally Mercedes have been quite good at Barcelona over the years. So whether whether that continues with this concept, surely it's baked into, into the car, uh, kind of a team's way of thinking. I, I don't know. They they seem to do well in, in certain tracks. It's like Ferrari have always been good at, at kind of low-speed corner circuits like Monaco and, and things like that. They, they've, all, they've always seemed to do well there. And Mercedes, I feel like last year that was where their season felt like it got underway because they were doing well there again. George Russell nearly got a podium. So, yeah. Maybe that, along with the upgrades, that that could mean positive things in Spain. The thing is, with 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 Monaco, yeah, the, you're you're after dirty downforce, which is uh, basically a, a high draggy. It, well, obviously, you you'd want a, a more efficient downforce anywhere, but but at Monaco, because there's no real long straights, it doesn't really matter as much. So it would be in, it would have been interesting to see how the old car would have. Um, would have fared here, but obviously they mm. couldn't. They couldn't run that car because 
this now this new car they've had to change all, all the shape of the radiators and and like i said the pickup points and the suspension so it's something that they they sort of had to do um but yeah like i said it, i think it would be interesting to to it would have been interesting to see how the old car would have would have fared here. So uh, just to wrap yeah. up before we uh, we close this episode of the Silver Arrows podcast, Tom, what can we expect from Barcelona from the Mercedes team? Uh, well, I'm hoping for some more efficient aerodynamic downforce. So what we're looking for is is high corner speeds um, as well as a nice uh, high top speed as well. Um, that's the, the the holy grail. That's what everyone's looking for. Um, and I think also maybe a more stable car. So that we have with the new suspension, we can see that's that's seems to be working pretty well. Um, but the rest is still an unknown, um, and, and we'll just have to wait and see. I think. Yeah, I, th- I think that the body language of Hamilton and Wolf and Russell will be key uh, in terms of understanding how far they've they've been um, or, or how far they've come after practice or after qualified, that will be the, the thing that's most fascinating over the Spanish Grand Prix weekend. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to, to wait and see. I, I think that it's going to be positive. I think Red Bull are going to win, but Mercedes, they're going to be in the second row on, on qualifying day. I'm going to call it now. I'm not going to say who. I'll leave it up to them to fight, but I reckon they can sneak a second row. I've got a good feeling. There we go. You heard it here first. Tom, Adam, thank you so much. And that's all we have time for this week. A massive thank you to Tom and Adam for joining us. And thanks to you for listening. Do remember to follow us on Twitter at MercF1Pod and hit that follow button in your podcast app. If you're enjoying these episodes and feeling extra kind, drop us a review and share this episode with anybody who you think may enjoy it. Until then, we'll see you after Barcelona.